Welcome to the BetUS College Football Show, and this is the Tuesday, October 3rd, Week 6 Preview Show, Part Number 1. It's a lot of details, right? I'm your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok, at GaryWCE, and you can follow me on Twitter, at WinningCures, over there, for now, until I get the GaryWCE back. But regardless, another week is upon us. October starts midweek Conference USA games. We're going to have a lot of football on the TV uh, for at least six nights a week going forward. Okay, it doesn't get any better than that. Let's go ahead and bring in the experts here. On the left side of the screen, of course, our analyst, the numbers guy. I call him the numerical guru. He's at Stats of War on Twitter. Parker Fleming. Parker, how are things? Oh, man, going going great, Gary. Fun week of, of games last week. And, yeah, this that, that midweek football getting back this week just kind of warms my heart. I, I, I've had an itch that I needed scratch the last couple of weeks on Tuesday <laughs> and Wednesday nights, and I'm glad, we've, uh, I'm glad we've got it back with some of these games that – Aren't even sicko games like are legitimately going to be fun midweek games. So a lot of lot of lot of good stuff to get to that early slate. Uh, you got that right. Of course, on the right side of the screen, you guys know him as the totals king. He is our award-winning professional handicapper. He's at Kyle Hunter Picks on Twitter. Kyle Hunter. Kyle, how about you, my friend? Going well here. Uh, looking forward to another week, guys. And uh, I echo your sentiments about these midweek games. Before long, it's going to be the Maction Tuesday nights. That's going to be fantastic too. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, let's start off with this. What better way for BetUS to celebrate their 30th season than by giving away one tough truck? All right. Visit BetUSTV.com slash tough truck for more information. Uh, and there's the graphic on the screen. I love that graphic. Uh, but yeah, here on the College Football Show, we're going to give away one entry per show to win the truck, along with, you know, other fun prizes, tailgating packages, tickets to football games, etc. The only key is you have to be watching the show live. And, of course, you have to be a member over at BetUS. Uh, but we'll tell you how to do that here in just a minute. Kyle, do me a favor. Can you tell everybody what they got to do to earn an entry? Pretty easy. All you got to do is be watching the show live. Go in the live chat over there and guess who's going to have the golden ticket at the end of the show. Uh, pretty easy to drop that there in the chat. Uh, awesome prizes, the truck and all those game tickets. Uh, man, guys, this is uh, pretty easy to do. So jump inside that chat there and give us your guess. Most certainly. Again, you got to be a member at BetUS. If you want to join, you can visit BetUSTV.com slash join. Now, our production team, uh, they're going to put all the names that guessed correctly into some kind of machine in the back, and it's going to randomly pick a winner. So whoever has the golden ticket, uh, whoever guesses correctly, they'll be picked out of that, and then we'll tell you afterwards. Uh, tell us in the chat, is it me? Is it Kyle? Is it Parker? Go ahead and let us know. Let us know. I see a lot of people in the chat that are already doing it. Steve, Tommy, it's a, a lot of people thinking I've got it this week. I appreciate the sentiments, my friends. Uh, Parker, do me a favor. Tell everybody how they can support the show and help us out every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Well, there's there's three things you can do, Gary. One, you can be subscribed to the show and be here. Uh, so you can you subscribe to the show. You're in the chat. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we'll be back and forth. Everyone will be back and forth in there during the show to like the video if you're in here. Sometimes we see, you know, 500 people watching and only 100, 100 likes. That's unacceptable. we got to hit the like button there and uh, and get us up uh, to, to that number. Two, uh, or the third thing you can do besides being here and liking the video is share the video with a friend uh, who likes football, somebody who might, you know, have a little bit of time at work and be able to join us uh, here or in audio format and in the podcast feed uh, tomorrow or whatever. Um, so yeah, be here, like it, and share it. That's how you help uh, support the show. I love it. Of course, I ask you guys to kindly do the same thing for the BetUS NFL show. Jared Fezzik and Las Vegas Chris, they do a fantastic job over there. Uh, they're with you every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, and they're going to have you a chance to win an entry for the truck as well. So make sure and check those guys out. Gentlemen, 
it is time to recap our records thus far this season. And, I mean, guys, how different would it be if <laughs> Memphis didn't get backdoored by Boise last week? Uh, this is why watching line movement is important. Uh, I'm sitting at 10, 13, and 2 after a 5 and 3 record in week 5. Uh, Kyle is now 8, 12, and 1 after going 1 and 4 last week. And Parker went 3 and 3 last week, so that moves him to 12, 14, and 1. Overall, we are 30, 39, and 4, which again means a big week can get us to above 500 if we have really good outcomes this week. Uh, look, that Memphis game alone, 33, 36, and 4, just bananas. That, that's what the record would be. All right. Before we go further, let's, let's use this brief moment for a little education uh, because we have seen you guys firing away at us in the comments. Okay. <laughs> and it's not that you guys bother us with that. We appreciate the back and forth. Uh, Kyle, I, I want you to come in and kind of explain to the viewers the numbers that we give out on the show and, and, and maybe that, that timestamp, right? This moment in time on Tuesdays and Wednesdays of where we're giving out these numbers. Help, help me out on this one. I mean, I think uh, Las Vegas Chris from the NFL show said it best when he said it's a snapshot in time. You know, we lock in those lines uh, Tuesday or Wednesday around noon Eastern. Uh, that's what the numbers are going to be for the show. Maybe it's the worst line of the week. Maybe it's the best line of the week. Usually not the best line of the week because early in the week, usually the numbers move. But, uh, you know, we're betting these games. And then the numbers, we obviously want to give out what's current to people on the show because we're honest and transparent. Um, you know, a game like the Memphis one's a perfect example, though, because the line had started with Memphis as a dog, sat there at two and a half, minus two and a half for a good while, then went to three and a half, right? Not too long before the show. And then, you know, of course, it goes back down to three or minus two and a half later in the week. So hopefully the people watching were able to at least get a push. Nothing worse than that there from last week's. But as it turned out, that made a huge difference. Boise had to get the two point conversion and then backdoor it. Uh, for it to finish on three. But uh, I think that's a good lesson in that, you know, the line started with Memphis as an underdog, then moves all the way up to three and a half. There's probably going to be some buyback on Boise State at some point there. There was, it came back, but that was later in the week. Uh, for people watching, you know, that's something to keep in mind is that, you know, we lock it in at that time. You don't have to lock it in at that time. If you think there's going to be some buyback, you need to uh, keep an eye on those markets moving around. Uh, patience is key in a lot of this. It's either hit it almost immediately early in the week, or be patient and make sure that you can get the best of the number. Uh, Parker, I mean, you've had multiple of those this year where uh, the line is is maybe the worst that it could be on either Tuesday or Wednesday. And I think a big part of this show is making sure that we get out good information, uh, but maybe not necessarily about the, the records, right? Like, it, don't worry about the records. Just follow our handicap if it is a play that you want to work with. But But just, again... Patience. Parker, what, you know, you kind of feel the same on this, I would imagine, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you go, I, I, I track some bets over on Betstamp and you can see, you know, verified with time that like I'm, I'm doing pretty well uh, doing during it. Haven't actually uh, probably my, one of my better seasons last couple here, you know, got bit a little bit by a hook now and then. Uh, my, my hope for this show is not that we're saying, hey, go do X, Y and Z. Here's a spoon fed answer and you're going to make a ton of money. There's a lot of people <laughs> who are going to do that and one, not be very good at it because they're, you know, especially doing it against one book the same time every week. Um, what we want to do is talk about the process, talk about the information and talk about college football. So, uh, uh, I'm I'm comfortable, you know, going back, man. That Memphis, the Wyoming, the UCLA. I think there's two or three more that I have where legitimately the hook just got me a little bit, and that's fine. You get some negative variance, but we're trusting the process and, and talking about the, um, 
you know, talking about talking about the football and talking about ways to think about this. So absolutely, you know, look look at the lines throughout the week, shop across the week. Like that's that's really how you should be thinking of it is I have from Monday to or Sunday to Saturday to look at this asset and buy it at a certain price. Think about that as we're talking about it here. Um, but Gary, I think that's probably enough. I look, we're gonna get some winners this weekend, <laughs> and I don't want to dwell on the past. Eternity begins anew each day. Uh, I think we should I think we should head that direction. Absolutely. I, I think I wanted to bring it up because we haven't really done a, a lot of talking about the fact that, again, like Kyle said, this is just a, a timestamp of right now, right? It's it, we we got to focus on the actual handicap of the games and how we're doing moving forward, right? We want we want to educate you guys. That's what we're here for. So let's continue on. Let me go on to tell you if you want to get in on the action, of course, you visit betustv.com/join. Make sure and track the odds along with us over at betustv.com/odds. Uh, and for you guys watching live, we always do a Q&A segment to close out. Make sure and get your questions in the chat. We're going to hit as many as humanly possible at the end of the show. Uh, fellas, we got nine games today. I got a feeling we might go long, so let's go on and get after it. Game number one. Oh, man. We begin with Wednesday night CUSA action, Jacksonville State. Our heroes last Thursday, they head to Murfreesboro to battle Rick Stockstill in the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. At 8 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPNU, Middle Tennessee, a three and a half point home favorite, uh, with the Bet US total currently sitting at 51 and a half. Jacksonville State, they've covered for me twice already this year as a uh, as an underdog, and they've covered for me twice on the road. Although they didn't cover the closing line at Coastal Carolina, again line movement. Uh, last Thursday's game at Sam Houston was absolutely bananas. Okay, Middle is one and five against the spread in their last six games. The only cover coming in a close game at Missouri. They're also 1-4-1 against the spread in their last six home games. So much for home field advantage, it seems like. Parker, I want to start with you. The strength of schedule difference is just massive here. Uh, Middle Tennessee, number 14. Jacksonville State, number 129. And that's uh, from ESPN. Uh, but when it comes down to it, I mean, we've seen these teams play some comparable opponents. And, you know, Rich Rod's Gamecocks have performed better. Uh, I'm seeing an advantage for Jacksonville State's defense here. Uh, but tell me what your numbers say on this one. Yeah, again, when I look at a game like this, um, what I'm trying to look for is, it, d- does someone do something well? And Middle Tennessee State really doesn't do either side of the ball well. They're 107th in offense, 107th in defense, which puts them at 113 in net EPA, according to my ratings. Whereas Jacksonville State, 124th on offense, but 25th on defense have been actually pretty stout. The... the um, uh, fireworks of Sam Houston State's offense last week, notwithstanding. One of the most bizarre, I think we were all texting each other like, did they actually just gain 10 yards? Like, it, it happened. In uh, <laughs> and, and one of the situations, I absolutely would not expect it to do. But, um, yeah, I, I like this defense specifically. Um, I think that that what Jacksonville State can do is, like, entirely take away the rush from Middle Tennessee State. And they're, they're pretty pass-aggressive. 4.4 uh, rush rate over expect minus 4.4 rush rate over expected. So, passing a whole lot. But if they have kind of zero rushing floor, they're going to get in these long situations. 117th in early downs EPA for MTSU. 14th in early downs defense for Jacksonville State. So we're looking at third and long against a good third and long defense. Often they know you're going to pass. So even if your passing is slightly more efficient than your rushing, which it is for Middle Tennessee State, I don't know they're going to be able to string together anything other than these obvious, obvious passing situations. Uh, Again, a huge field position advantage for Jacksonville State. They're 14th in starting field position, 15th in starting field position allowed, whereas MTSU is 44th in starting field position allowed, but 120. 
22nd in starting field position. So you're looking at a team that really is not good on offense, not good on defense, facing a long drive every time, having to string together multiple plays and then convert on those third downs that are going to be those dis- uh, disadvantageous situations. So I'm going to ride with Jacksonville State again. I think the offense, um, maybe it's getting a little obvious when they put Webb in what they're trying to do. I know that he's kind of got a cannon. I think they need to roll with Smothers a little bit more to be a little bit more balanced on, on offense there. But uh, I think that Jacksonville State uh, should play kind of constant defense and uh, really frustrate in Middle Tennessee State and be able to uh, to to cover this game. I, I tend to agree, and I'll explain a little bit, but I want to get Kyle's opinion here. Neither team is very explosive on offense. Uh, both defenses are top 40 in defending explosive plays. Combine that with the Gamecocks offense that's number six in the country in percent of rushing plays on offense. You can see that clock start to move a little bit, even if both are top 50 in offensive plays per game. Uh, tell me what you're seeing here, Kyle. Now, Jacksonville State is 11th in yards per play allowed so far this year. Certainly, it's been weak uh, opposition, but they're still 28th in overall defensive grade uh, PFF. So I think Jacksonville State's a pretty good defense. Um, you know, notwithstanding that first half against Sam Houston. To be fair, Sam Houston didn't really do much of anything in the second half. So it's kind of a one-half deal. Um, maybe they thought they were going to roll easier than they did, and then they made adjustments and, and things improved a lot. NTSU defensively, I think, is above average, at least for a CUSA team. We know that this is a really weak league at this point. They faced two good SEC teams, and they faced Western Kentucky. It was definitely very good offensively. I think their defense will at least be above average in conference play. The knock on a play like this is Jacksonville State does play really quickly. Um, they're 125th in, in explosive plays on offense, though, and they do run the ball in 66.2% of their plays. So uh, that clock should keep moving. And if you look at their scores, they played a 21 to nothing game against Eastern Michigan, 17-14 against UTEP. So they've proven they're very capable of very low-scoring games. MTSU's offense, guys. Not good at all. You put up 10 points, 5.1 yards per play against Western Kentucky's defense. We know you're not a very good offense. And, I mean, if you look at the 5.1 yards per play, most of that was late in the game when they were already way behind. You know, I think Western Kentucky sat back a little bit there because they couldn't do anything in the first half. So um, MTSU offensively only 5.1 yards per play also against Colorado State with the Rams playing in that bad spot right after they had lost to Colorado. So I think MTSU's offense is not good at all. I would lean Jacksonville State plus the points here, but I'm going to take the under in this one. You know I love fundamentals, right? Seeing a stat like Middle Tennessee at number 83 in giveaways per game and Jacksonville State is number 12 in takeaways, uh, that's that's going to make my ears perk up a little bit. You combine that, Jacksonville State's number 56 in penalties per game, Middle is number 120, and you got a raw five factors rank of number 24 for Jacksonville State and number 116 for Middle. I'm going to bite on that every time. Give me the points with Jacksonville State. Uh, we're all going to lock this one up. Kyle has got the under 51 and a half. Uh, Parker and myself, we're going to take Jacksonville State plus three and a half on this one. All right, let's move it along. Game number two here. And we're going to stay in Conference USA, but we're going to head to Thursday night. Another 8 p.m. Eastern time game on ESPNU. The Hilltoppers of Western Kentucky. They make their way across I-20 to Ruston, Louisiana for the first time since 2018 to take on the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. The Hilltoppers are a five-and-a-half-point road favorite at BetUS. Uh, the total currently sits at 59. Western Kentucky is 8-3 and three against the spread in their last 11 on the road in Conference USA, and they are 5-2 and two against the spread in their last seven as a road favorite. Uh, Louisiana Tech, 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six as a home dog. So trends kind of 
kind of going against each other here. Kyle, we've got another massive difference in strength of schedule here. Western Kentucky is number 15, Louisiana Tech number 97. Uh, but when you look at just raw PPA margin, uh, we don't see much separation here, right? The, the Hilltoppers are number 68, uh, Louisiana Tech number 70. Uh, the disparity, I guess, is in how we get to those numbers. Louisiana Tech's better on defense. Uh, they're number 65 PPA allowed per drive. Western is number 52 PPA per drive on offense. Uh, Kyle, tell me how you're breaking this one down. Yeah, uh, La Tech won last week, but it felt to me more like it was UTEP lost than La Tech winning in that game. I mean, that was just such an ugly game. Uh, UTEP's been a great fade in general. UTEP was three for 18 on third down in that game. I know Gary was happy with the ugly game because it doesn't matter how ugly the game is as long as you win. And uh, Gary had La Tech, and that was a good play. I think um, La Tech, it's kind of hard to say. Uh, Jack Turner looked really bad last week. So is Turner better than Hank Bachmeyer? I don't know. I mean, either of them are a very good option. Uh, Turner had a brutal 33.2 PFF passing grade last week. Two turnover-worthy plays. Uh, three passes batted down at the line of scrimmage. He's six foot five, so that's kind of surprising. Um, he has major fumbling problems this year. He has fumbled way too much. Um, I think LaTeX's offense, uh, Cumbie is an offensive guy who wants to play quickly. So it would surprise me that they're playing so slow. I think he's kind of decided they just don't have enough weapons. They're not that good on offense that they probably don't want shootouts like he would have thought. Um, Western Kentucky has a lot of weaknesses as a team, but a couple massive strengths that other teams in this conference don't have. They have an excellent quarterback in Austin Reed. Uh, Corley is a really good wide receiver. Uh, he's a problem for everybody that they're going to play. Reed is also a really good quick decision maker, 2.39 seconds to throw on average. LaTeX has a decent pass rush, but I don't know that they'll be able to get to him quick enough in a game like this. And LaTeX pass defense, guys, it looks good by the numbers. Oh, come on, let's look at this for a minute. FIU with Grace and James, SMU a decent passing attack, Northwestern State, North Texas, Nebraska, UTEP with a backup quarterback. So I'm not convinced that LaTeX pass defense is actually good. We're going to find out here because that's a very weak schedule of passing attacks. I think they'll be uh, tested in a big way here, pass defense-wise, and I suspect they'll probably fail that test. So um, LaTeX probably runs the ball, takes the air out of it a little bit. LaTeX, Gary likes these kind of stats, I know. LaTeX, 76 penalty yards uh, per game so far this year, and Western Kentucky, 43. That 33-yard difference could come into play in something uh, like a small spread like this. So I lean Western Kentucky, runs the points. I, have, I think they have some strengths that are probably too much for LaTeX here. I, I could I could see I love when you bring that stuff up. Uh, Parker, the thing that I love most about Western Kentucky is the fact that when they when they get down inside an opponent's 40 yard line, they get a first down. They take advantage of it. This team is number two in the country with five point four, eight points per scoring opportunity. And Louisiana Tech's defense is number 87 at three point nine four allowed. Tell me what we should expect maybe uh, on Thursday night. Lethal, absolutely lethal. And Louisiana Tech's defense is comparatively worse uh, at allowing or at finishing drives than they are allowing drives. 73rd in echo rate, 77th in points per quality possession there, or points per, per echo. So huge disparity there. Western Kentucky twists the knife. That's that's a product of having an experienced quarterback like Austin Reed. One thing I saw a lot about that that actually kind of went into my handicap against MTSU there, but I knew I was going to get to it with this one, is Austin Reed had a, a bad game last week. Uh, he had four turnover-worthy plays. That's 7% uh, of his throws last week. And Louisiana Tech did drop some interceptions. That might be a red flag for me. But if you look at his average depth of target this season, the last three games, 6.4, 6.0, 6.3, against, um, against Middle Tennessee State last week, 
9.3. So uh, almost a 50% increase uh, in his uh, depth of target. They clearly were just letting him throw the ball a bunch, trying to trying to work out some of those kinks after playing Ohio State two weeks ago and or Ohio State and, and Troy, two good defenses. They're saying, hey, let's open it up. Let's kind of see what you can do. So, yeah, he threw some some turn worthy plays he was slinging around a little bit more so i'm not as worried about that you guys mentioned kind of the disparity between the numbers of louisiana tech's passing epa or passing defense and rushing defense they're 27th in epa per pass allowed but they're 111th in epa per rush allowed guys when we see a big split what do we think selection Teams are rushing 9.8 percentage points more than average against Louisiana Tech. Uh, that is a uh, top 10 in the country, absolutely exploiting this. I'm very interested in this because Western Kentucky is fifth in rush rate over expected. They're rushing 13.8 percentage points less than the average team. Western Kentucky does not have a run game to write home about, right? So what we're going to have to bank on here and what I am going to bank on here with this handicap is that the equilibrium kind of the the gravity between the run game and the pass game has been completely thrown off teams are just rushing against louisiana tech because it's kind of super easy to do and that that pass number is super inflated western kentucky's high volume passing efficiency is going to take over here they're going to be able to finish drives super super well and their defense while it struggles on third and fourth downs that, that really dream, uh, brings things down and and struggles against the run game is is way better on early downs than it is on late downs they're 25th so if they can get louisiana tech behind the sticks really mess things up. Uh, I think that gives them a long, long leash on that side of the ball as well. So riding with the Hilltoppers again, going to going to the old faithful, but I'm going to take the Hilltoppers to cover here. I, I like it. I like it. Let's lock this thing up. Parker, Western Kentucky, minus five and a half. Uh, it makes all the sense in the world, right? It is so difficult to bet on this Louisiana Tech team unless UTEP is on the other side. So, <laughs> so we will lock that one up. Uh, we will keep the pace and we will move on. Now, I know, I know that some of you love these, you know, midweek Conference USA games as much as we do. However, some of you would prefer a little more meat on the bone. So we'll move to Saturday now, and at noon Eastern time on ABC, we got a monster ball game. We got the Red River Showdown, or for us long-timers, the shootout. Uh, as the old Cotton Bowl, of course, in the middle of the Texas State Fair, it's going to host the Texas Longhorns and the Oklahoma Sooners. The Longhorns enter this contest as a six-and-a-half-point favorite with a total at 60-and-a-half at BetUS. Oklahoma has been a dog twice since 2017. They are 0-1-1, and that includes last year's just brutal beating at the hands of these Longhorns. Uh, in the last five meetings between the two schools, Oklahoma is 4-1 and one straight up, 3-2 and two against the spread. Uh, Texas, 2-2 two and two against the spread as a favorite this year. Uh, but the two lines that they did not cover, they were 30-plus point favorites. All that to say... I wouldn't necessarily look at spread trends on this one. Uh, Kyle, we'll start with you. Last year's 49 to nothing beating kind of felt like a, a changing of the guard in this rivalry. Texas got their first dominant win in the series since a 16-point win back in 2013. Uh, but Oklahoma's quarterback was out. They had a first-year head coach. Uh, there was a lot that led to that score. In Venable's 18 games as head coach, we have seen that Oklahoma can really score with anybody whenever the quarterback is healthy. Uh, tell me how you're looking at Red River this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is a fantastic game. Like you said, we love all those uh, midweek games and the sicko specials, but these games are fantastic too. Um, almost identical yards per play margin so far this year, but Oklahoma is 60th in Sagar and strength of schedule. Texas is 15th. Dylan Gabriel's been really good, 84.3 PFF grade. He does have six turnover-worthy plays in the last three games, so kind of something to watch in this one. Um, 
I think Quinn Ewers hasn't really been asked to do a lot in the last few games. He was really good against Alabama. I kind of wonder if Texas is saving something for this game or if they have been saving something for this game because the run game has gotten a lot of action. Now, the run game's gaining 6.01 yards per carry, and if you're running that well, who really needs to pass? Um, a lot better run defense here, though, than against Baylor or Kansas. So I do think they'll need Quinn Ewers in a game like this. Oklahoma plus eight turnover margin makes me a bit skeptical. Uh, you know, the advanced numbers all suggest this offensive line for Oklahoma is not as good as they've been in some other years. They're 100th, 100th in offensive line yards. They rank outside the top 30 in run and pass blocking grades at PFF. It's a big test for them with a Texas defensive line that's been really good this season. So I think that matchup there with Oklahoma on offense is going to be fun to watch. Both these defenses have been amazing in the red zone. I mean, you look at their red zone statistics, I think you could make a good argument that there could be regression coming because uh, these are good offenses. They're facing a really good offense this time. Both defenses have given up quite a few ex explosive plays, but have kind of buckled down in the red zone. I know some sharp guys who have taken the under in this one, but I don't think I could bet that one because uh, the pace is going to be there. I think there'll be some big plays. We've seen some really high-scoring games in this uh, contest in the past, and I wouldn't want to bet against that happening again. I kind of lean to Texas here, but the line has moved pretty significantly. I don't think there's any great line value on it. Uh, so I'm going to pass on this one, but certainly one that I'm going to be dialed into Saturday. Parker, we'll move over to you. There's almost no separation in that explosiveness between these two. Uh, both have got great turnover margin, although Texas is only number 43 in takeaways per game. Uh, both are top three in my five factors plus talent rank. Uh, Oklahoma, number three in the country in first half point margin. They're plus 21.4 there. And Texas has been a bit slower out of the gate, uh, but they're number 18 at plus 10.2 points uh, per first half. Uh, maybe we can blame that on strength of schedule, I guess. Uh, tell me, you know, what do you think we're going to see in the old Cotton Bowl on Saturday? Yeah, so full disclosure here, I, I had Texas on the sheet and the number got a little too big for me. So again, we're talking about process here, talking about point in time. I wanted to go with Texas. I like Texas. I think this is, uh, when we talked about it, it was like five, five and a half. Now that we're now that we're in that six and a half range, a little bit too high for me. So I, I'm not going to have a play here, even though I'm going to lean towards Texas. Maybe if you get that number, you know, if there's some buyback on Oklahoma or something, you could you could get that number. Um, but yeah, I think, I think one thing to do with Texas is really to kind of in, in, interpret what their games have looked like. And particularly Wyoming and Rice, which are you know two data points that are factoring in because they they haven't played uh, neither, neither team has played an FCS team. But um, I think you could argue that Arkansas State maybe provided less competition than an FCS team would have against Oklahoma there. So um, when you look at Texas's game, they, you know teams that they've played in the non-con, uh, Rice, Alabama, Wyoming is about as stacked a three a three team slate as as almost anybody's really really playing. Um, uh, Rice much better than you know people um, thought going into the season. Wyoming certainly solid there. What Texas has done all season has leaned has just leaned on a team leaned on a team and then and then pulled away. Um, and I think during the Rice like Rice Wyoming Baylor Kansas all the exact same game. Yeah, we're not doing great in the beginning. We're just kind of pulling away. Boom. Uh, it snaps and we're and we're going and we're cooked. We're done. Um, and, and so I really like Texas ability to lean on Oklahoma, especially because Oklahoma has had to struggle in, in, in a couple of their more serious games. SMU really, really ugly 28 11 win Cincinnati, uh, you know, just weren't, weren't really putting points on the board very well. And then Iowa state, they, they pulled away later. Um, but, but was a, certainly a rock fight for a little bit there. So I like Texas ability to kind of lean here and really, really push. I think one stat that stands out 
out to me that I'm going to actually explain away is this points per quality possession. Oklahoma on defense, 1.24 points per quality of possession allowed. That's third in the nation. Texas on offense, 89th in points per quality possession, 3.39. We saw the Texas game, some drops, some miscommunication. They left points on the board against Alabama. In a game they beat Nick Saban's Alabama by 10 points in Tuscaloosa, they left points on the board. Um, I do think that they're working on it. We'll see. I, I believe Jatavian Sanders is playing. I think that makes a whole lot of difference here for whether they'll be able to um, find find him in the red zone. Uh, but I, I think that Texas distributes the ball in a way that Oklahoma has not had to defend this season. I think Texas up front is, is obviously much stronger than anyone that Oklahoma has played here. So uh, the number got a little bit big because rivalry games, I'm going to be a little bit more conservative. But I had this as by, you know, Texas by seven, seven and a half here. And so we'd lean the Longhorns, especially if the price is right. We are used to close games right next to the Texas State Fair. I mean, last season notwithstanding, right? From 2014 through 2021, we saw eight Red Rivers in the old Cotton Bowl, and the average margin of victory was 5.875. Now, we can poke holes in Oklahoma's strength of schedule, but outside of Alabama, who has a suspect offense anyway, Texas has gotten to feast on Wyoming, Baylor, and Kansas's backup quarterbacks. All right, Both teams have done what they're supposed to do by beating up on teams that they're better than, but my numbers like Oklahoma as a slight favorite here. And, and while I think that Texas is the better overall team, I'm actually going to trust the Sooners to keep this thing close. Uh, Parker, it, he stayed away from the six and a half. He liked it more when it was five. I will certainly take Oklahoma plus six and a half here. I think these are two pretty even teams. And, and I see, you know, DDB in here that said, Gary, one time, please say that was the dumbest pick I've ever heard. Why would I disrespect these guys whose opinions I appreciate so much by saying it's a dumb pick? I see where Parker's going with this. I just believe that Oklahoma is going to be able to keep this thing pretty close. I think Dylan Gabriel, pretty good quarterback, and Jeff Levy's going to have some things for Texas' defense that they have not gotten to see against some of these backup quarterbacks. So I expect scoring. I expect, you know, a bit of a shootout here. I think it's going to be a good ball game, but I'm going to lock it up. I'm going to take Oklahoma plus six and a half in this one. All right, gentlemen. Aye, aye, aye. There we go. We got it on the screen here. A uh, quick reminder, of course, hit that like button for us. Uh, we're almost to 100 here. Go on and hit that thing. We would appreciate it. Make sure that you are subscribed and, uh, and of course, leave a comment. We want to know your picks on the games. Uh, for those watching live, of course, get your questions in for Q&A at the end of the show and toss in your guess for who's got the golden ticket. That way you can be entered to win the truck, the tough truck, if you will. All right, carrying on. Game number four here. We got to pick up the pace a bit. Whew. Western Michigan comes down to Starkville, Mississippi, and, and they come down in time for just perfect fall weather this Saturday. It's supposed to be 63 degrees and sunny at kick. Uh, the Broncos take on Mississippi State at 12 p.m. Eastern time on the SEC Network. Uh, Mississippi State is currently a 20-and-a-half-point favorite uh, at home with a total of 56 over at BetUS. Western Michigan, 5-2 and two against the spread as an underdog in their last seven in that role. Uh, State is 5-2-1. and one against the spread in their last eight as a home favorite. Uh, Western Michigan games, they have hit the over in three straight weeks, and State has also hit three straight overs here. Parker, we'll start with you. Uh, this was one of my favorite regular season win total bets, was Western Michigan under three and a half. But, you know, head coach Lance Taylor, his offense has apparently kicked it into gear with the freshman quarterback. Uh, and we'll see if I can say it right. Trayson Borget. I hope that's right. Probably wrong, but... Regardless, you guys can fix it in the comments. <laughs> I don't expect them to win this game, but, you know, State's coming off three straight losses to LSU, South Carolina, and Alabama, and they got a bye week next week. I mean, I'm sure they're looking ahead to 
maybe getting a little rest, and then they got a trip to Arkansas after that. Like, based on sheer talent, State should handle this easily, but, you know, could the Broncos maybe catch Zach Arnett's bunch sleeping a little bit? Maybe. I, when I saw this game on the sheet, I was like, Kyle's up to something here. <laughs> I assume Kyle has a thing. Um, okay, it's actually, it's Borgay, I think, because he, he's the okay. brother of Trenton Borgay at uh, Arizona State. They're together. Uh-huh. I looked this up, I think, like two weeks ago or something, because I was like, there's no way that there's two guys that have names this similar there. Um, I'll be short on this because I don't have a play. I don't even know that I'll watch this. Mississippi State stinks. Um, man, that's just rough. It's <laughs> it's really rough. No, the and again, I know what I'm saying here, and we're putting it in the vacuum of the season. So please don't hear what I'm not saying here. But like, they don't have an identity on offense. Will Rogers cannot run this offense. Um, he's been bottom of the QBR for what three straight weeks right now uh, for the SEC. Um, they're absolutely struggling. They are rushing, you know, one percent. Point, one percentage point more than the average team that's 76 in rush rate over expected but um you know they they really have just been barely successful and kind of okay at, at rushing success there passing epa 106 in the nation um just just a really really rough situation for mississippi state really don't have the identity or the dudes to really run what they want to do so um i've actually got this way closer than i feel like i want to admit uh here but i mean yeah i, I i'm not inclined to bet on either of these teams and it's a it's a rough situation for mississippi state right now kyle we'll move over to you uh since you might have something cooking here uh western michigan's offense they like to move they're number 11 in the country in offensive plays per game uh their defense cannot stop giving up explosives number 120 in explosive play rate allowed now mississippi state didn't look good on offense against alabama but you know they found some wrinkles that work and in the week before that they finally started relying on on the quarterback will rogers who parker just talked about at, for whatever reason, in that game, they threw the ball 48 times against South Carolina. Uh, Kyle, tell me what you see going down in Starkville on Saturday. Gary, uh, you stole my thunder right there. I was going to say, what happened with Mississippi State? They were running the ball consistently every time, and then 48 passes from Will Rogers, and it actually worked. I mean, they, they were in a game that was tight the whole way. They lost 37-30. It was tied going into the fourth quarter. 519 yards, 487 of them were through the air. So... You know, last week against Alabama, it's a little bit tough to look at run pass splits because they were losing by so much at the end of that game that, you know, obviously they're going to pass more. But I don't know. Maybe they're deciding to go back to throwing the ball a little bit more. I think they don't have a great identity. The thing here is Western Michigan's defense is really, really bad. I think Mississippi State should do whatever they want to do in this game. This is not like playing a a weak SEC team or anything like that. Western Michigan is next level bad uh, talent level on defense. 6.37 6.37 yards per play given up, uh, despite playing some questionable offenses. Western Michigan's not exactly played a gauntlet. Uh, the, the Broncos have allowed 29 plays of 20 yards or more, five plays of 50 yards or more. I think that's a big red flag when you see too many really big plays given up, uh, lost assignments, things like that, not enough speed in the back. Uh, they're 113th in rushing play success rate allowed. So if Mississippi State wants to run here, they probably can have a lot of success here. Western Michigan quietly has been picking up the pace on offense, too. I try to look at these kind of tempo changes. Their OC is from VMI, where they ran the air raid. It's kind of ironic, guys. We have Mississippi State going back to running the football more. We've got Western Michigan incorporating the air raid a little bit. Now, they're not throwing it constantly, but they've sped up a lot. Uh, you know, this is a, a Western Michigan team who gave up 41 points to Iowa. You know, that's not really very easy to do. So, uh, Mississippi State should score a lot of points here. Mississippi State defense, too, is far weaker than it was a few years ago. This back end for Mississippi State secondary is not good at all. 
At 56, I have to take the over here. I think Mississippi State will score quite a few. Western Michigan, with their pace, can probably score enough as well. So I'll take the over. Let's lock that bad boy up. Kyle, the over 56 on this one. Yeah, I, I could see it. I could see it. It's come down. It was 57 and a half uh, just yesterday, and it's uh, it's moved down just a little bit. And hey, uh, we will gladly go over that because I, I'm I'm with you, Kyle. I think uh, I think State could come out and absolutely uh, put some points on the board. All right, moving on. Game number five. Again, we move from uh, from a little Mac and SEC action to Big Noon kickoff, which is going to head to Columbus, Ohio, on Saturday. Ohio State welcomes in Big Ten East foe the Maryland Terrapins at 12 p.m. Eastern time on Fox. Uh, Ohio State is a 19-and-a-half-point home favorite at BetUS with a total of 58. And that, that gives us a projected score of Ohio State, you know, somewhere around 39-19 to 19 or 38-and-a-half to 19-and-a-half, whatever it is. Um, Maryland 0-8 straight up against Ohio State, but they are 2-2 two two against the spread in the last four meetings. Uh, last season... It was 43-40 to 40 Ohio State, and that covered the spread of 26.5 for Maryland. Uh, Maryland 2-2 two and two against the spread in their last four as a road dog. Ohio State 2-2 two and two against the spread in their, uh, in their last four as a home favorite. And it should be noted, Ohio State 3-1 and one against the spread coming off of a bye week under Ryan Day. Kyle, I want to start with you here. Ohio State got a massive win at Notre Dame on you know the last offensive play of the game. Ryan Day was as fired up as I think I've ever seen him. Uh, these two teams, great at, at both creating and defending explosives, the number six and number 12 in net explosive play rate. Uh, it's, it's two teams in the top 15 and fewest giveaways per game. Of course, Maryland has not played anything close to what they're going to see in Columbus. Uh, but tell me, what's your, what's your breakdown on this one? So I, I want to say first, I just got a little bit depressed because I realized that this game is the same time as the Texas and Oklahoma game, and I'm going to this game. So I'm not going to be able to just sit in the Texas-Oklahoma <laughs> game. That is depressing. So uh, I expect some updates from you guys during that one. But uh, Oh, no problem. Buckeyes, <laughs> Buckeyes had a bye week last week. Maryland's 26th in the new poll. They were the first receiving uh, votes that didn't get in the top 25. Maryland unbeaten, but 132nd in Sagarin strength of schedule. Uh, it's going to make people still doubt them some. I think, to be fair, the other thing that makes people doubt Maryland in a game like this is they've had these fast starts several times, uh, only to fall off hard later in the season. I still don't really trust uh, Mike Loxley a lot. I think Maryland as a team is is good. Uh, Talia is very good, certainly. I don't think Ohio State's defense is quite as good as most people think they are at this point. Their numbers are very good. Uh, and obviously, this is me being a Buckeyes fan, a Buckeyes homer, but you know, I always try to be fair about it. I think Ohio State's defense is good and not great. Um, Ohio State defensively has not given up the big play like they did in the past, but they haven't really faced uh, explosive offenses very much. Maryland is going to have some talent that is much tougher to defend in the in the secondary than what they've faced. I think this is a pretty big number. I'm surprised the total opened as low as it did. I think the move directionally going up is, is definitely the right way to go. Offensively, Ohio State, the offensive line has been a bit better than I thought they would be. Nate Stover is underrated as a tight end, a very solid player. Um, Travion Henderson hasn't really been consistent, but he breaks that big one once in a while. As a Buckeyes fan, I'd like to see them run more consistently and have success. They're only 76th in success rate on uh, rushing plays, so not very good. I think this number is a little bit too big. I had this one at 17. So I think uh, I would lean toward Maryland, plus the points here. But, you know, I'm not going to bet it when I'm going to go cheer for Ohio State. <laughs> Parker, we'll, uh, we'll move over to you. 
Uh, we got the number 10 and number 11 teams in raw five factors uh, per my rankings. Uh, now, of course, Ohio State, massive talent advantage. Uh, but, you know, like like Kyle was talking about, it's possible Maryland maybe has the, the quarterback advantage with Talia Tagovailoa. Uh, toss on to it the fact that Maryland, number 70 in offensive plays per game, while Ohio State, a, a drastically, or I guess a drastic shift uh, to number 101 in offensive plays per game this year. And there may not be a ton of plays in this game. Uh, tell me what you see happening between the, uh, or excuse me, between the uh, Buckeyes and the Terrapins here. Well, Maryland would certainly like the variance to increase and, and take a bunch of deep shots and, and see if they can connect and then not have Ohio State have a bunch of time to um, to, to have any recourse there. Uh, Talia is somebody, I don't, I don't think we've said his name on the podcast, and I, I certainly regret that because he's having a good season. They're 8th in EPA per play, 18th in EPA per pass, and 7th in rushing on offense there. He's got a 914 PFF grade on balls 20 plus yards downfield. Granted, competition certainly matters there, but um, I, I really like what I've seen out of him. I have a couple of concerns about Maryland here, where so my number would suggest uh, Gary that I would I would I would lean towards Maryland, but a couple of kind of underlying factors that I don't know that I'm capturing well have me a little bit scared off. One, Maryland's target distribution in the passing game 11% to 16% is kind of the range of the dudes that are involved. So there's nobody over that 20% kind of like dude threshold. There's not a hey stuff hits the fan we're going to this guy for maryland they're really spreading it out a bunch and and that's good right you want to be able to spread it out but you look at the quality of competition kind of feels like they don't have one guy that they're like we know we can get the ball to him and we want the offense to run through him so while it might be tempting to look and say hey maybe they can put a lot of pressure on ohio state secondary i think that's actually revealing the fact that, that, that maybe they're not going to be able to put a lot of pressure on ohio state secondary because they have to distribute it so wildly because they can't get their top options open consistently um the other thing that worries me a little bit is is pressure. They're running a 24.7% play action. Maryland is an uh, tally has only been pressured on seven of 44 dropbacks when they run play action there. So I don't expect that to hold up because uh, Townsend, Townsend, Charlotte, Virginia, uh, Michigan State, Indiana is not exactly you know a fearsome front uh, for for the defensive side there. Um, and he's only been pressured on on or he has been pressured on on 25.8% of dropbacks. So I'm interested in where. Uh, no, no play for me. I'm interested in where where Maryland puts the ball. Where are they going to spread it around? Are they going to try to go to a first option there, or um, is 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 pressure really going to disrupt what they're able to do and, and kind of take away play action that they've been so successful with this season? And it, Parker, you you brought up there are a lot of factors that certainly point towards Ohio State here, especially with you know how good their defense has been and. You know, but I look at it. Maryland has been great at not turning the ball over. They're number 15 in the country in havoc allowed this year. Uh, Ohio State's defense is number 52 in havoc created. Uh, yes, again, strength of schedule, all that good stuff. Uh, but we, you know, we toss in the fact we got the number 10 and number 17 teams in available yards margin. Uh, the Terps have got a huge advantage in red zone conversion percentage on offense and on defense. Ohio State surprisingly numbers 97 on offense and red zone conversion percentage. Uh, to Maryland's number 12 on defense, and Maryland number 57 on offense, to Ohio State's number 65 on defense. I, I think we've got a recipe for, you know, the game to stay a little closer than what the experts think here. I, I liked Maryland at 18 and when it uh, when it opened. I still like it now. Uh, I will tell you this. This is a perfect example, right? You might want to stay patient and see if the public backs Ohio State all the way up to 21 here, but I'm going to go ahead and lock it in on the show. I like Maryland plus 19 and a half here. Uh, I, I believe in the Terps. I believe in Baby Tua, Talia, uh, whatever you want to call him. But I'm a, I'm a fan, and uh, I think that they are going to be able to cover this game 
because uh, Ohio State's got some bigger ones down the road that they're a little more worried with. Okay, game number six. We're moving along. We got a big one. In what could potentially be the SEC West Championship game, the fight in Jimbo's at Texas A&M are going to host the Alabama at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and this is the CBS SEC Game of the Week. All right, Alabama opened uh, this summer as a 7.5-point favorite. That line is down to 2.5 now, juiced at minus 115, and the BetUS total is currently 47 on this thing. I mean, it, the total's going down, too. Uh, the teams have split the last two meetings, A&M winning 41-38 to in College Station two years ago, and uh, Alabama won 24-20 to last season in Tuscaloosa. Uh, this thing has not been closer than a 17-point spread in the last six meetings, uh, with Alabama going only two and four against the spread there. Now, Bama has had just massive road problems. They've, they've gone three and eight against the spread since the start of the uh, 2021 season. A&M is four, one, and one against the spread as a home dog since 2018, and they've covered four straight in College Station now. Parker, you know I love looking at penalties and turnovers, and Alabama has a huge advantage. In this game, Tide's number 19 in turnover margin. Uh, the Aggies are number 113. Alabama number 61 in penalties per game. A&M is number 112. But when you get into the nuts and bolts of this thing, Alabama's offense could have major problems with this A&M defense. Uh, A&M number three in havoc created, uh, number 14 in stuff rate. Hey, give me some numbers on the Aggies and the Tide here. I am terrified here because I believe this is the first time in all of my in all of my few years of of picking games and 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 looking at games. This is the first time my model has spat out a straight up pick against Alabama. Um, even in the SEC championship against Georgia, I had them by one, and then the rematch. You know the underlying factors they played a little bit better, so I had them um, higher as well uh, in that next one. So um, that's wild to me, just kind of from a historic standpoint. A couple of things that really make a lot of sense as to why that matters. Um, Alabama bad at two things, not just on a per play level, but on a drive level, which which kind of suggests some more underlying issues than just hey, let's get a run past mix right and kind of figure this out. Um, they're 87th in echo rate, quality possession rate, and they are. 77th in points per quality possession AM's defense 14th in echo rate allowed fourth in quality possession rate or quality possession finishing drives there with 1.75 points per echo so um alabama is not going to get many opportunities against this texas a&m defense that's been pretty good um they're not finishing those drives well and they're playing a defense that that doesn't let you finish drives very well so that makes me worried and then Alabama's def- or Alabama's offense on early downs makes me just terrified. Looking at who they've played, Texas aside, 89th in early downs EPA, 36 in third and fourth down success. They have been surviving on Milrow and his legs on those on those late downs. Texas A&M 12th in early downs EPA um, against, and they're second on third and fourth down success. So what kind of third down is Alabama going to get? Are they going to be able to move the ball and get those third and one situations where Milrow can actually, you know, be a, be a net positive, or are they going to get a third and eight, third and Milrow situation where, you know, things can go wrong so quickly? I, I, I like that Alabama is trying to figure out what, what Milrow can do. They've decided he's the guy. I think that's a smart move. Um, but I, I really am, am worried about the offense's inconsistency between uh, early downs and late downs and kind of that finishing drive ability against this Texas A&M offense or defense. On the other side of the ball, um, I think the similar argument can be made for, for Texas A&M, you know, th- this being a little bit more of a rock fight. Texas a and is sixth in quality possession rate, possession rate, but they're 81st in points per quality possession. So they're not finishing drives very well at all. And Alabama is a little bit better uh, at finishing drives rather than um, 
allowing those quality possessions there. So uh, I, I really think that this is going to be a battle of haymakers and Alabama's inconsistency on early downs, plus their really, really poor finishing ability makes me think that that's, that's Texas A&M's path to pulling this off. Terrified of this. Unprecedented territory, uncharted waters for, for anything that I've picked ever before. Uh, but I, I, I would I would slightly lean towards Texas A&M because uh, you take all of that I just said, plus Alabama's troubles on the roads, uh, on the road, and you get a really interesting, uh, interesting matchup here. I could see where you're going with that. Uh, I love the third and Milrow there. <laughs> I mean, that, that goes right in the right in line with the dink and bomb offense and, and everything yeah. else. I love <laughs> it. I love it. Uh, Kyle, of course, A&M, it, they're, they're without their starting quarterback, Connor Wigman, for the rest of the season. But, you know, they've got experience back up Max Johnson here. He's led the team to two straight wins against Auburn and Arkansas. And, you know, he threw for four touchdowns, only one pick in those games. Uh, the issue, I think, for A&M might lie with their offensive line who grades out at number 103 in pass blocking at PFF, going against Alabama's number 21 graded pass rush and number one coverage grade in the country. Uh, Kyle, tell me what you think we're going to see in College Station. Yeah, I mean, I think this one's tricky uh, because you you want to trust Alabama on the road. You want to trust Durkin defense. Uh, neither of those sound too terribly in, intriguing to me. Um, you know, this is a Texas A&M team that had one slip up against Miami where they allowed 8.4 yards per play. Um, it's hard to get that one out of your memory because they did look so bad defensively. However, the rest of the way, the Aggies have played pretty well. Uh, Max Johnson's one of the best backup quarterbacks there was in the country. I mean, Wegman was playing very well, but I think this shows the the uh, this shows the strength of having depth. You know, some of these teams are going to lose a lot when they lose a starter. Uh, Johnson is not a significant downgrade at all. So uh, Alabama still has plenty of offensive problems. We know that. But uh, some people are sleeping on how good the Alabama defense has been playing. They're, they are very good. Uh, Texas got some yards against them. I think Texas is going to score on everybody. Uh, Alabama's shut down Ole Miss and Mississippi State in the last two weeks, looking very good defensively. A&M with 49 tackles for a loss so far this year in five games. So really aggressive getting in the backfield. They are 103rd in explosiveness allowed. Can Alabama get those big plays, make them pay for their aggression? Um, A&M's had some poor fumble luck. Nine forced fumbles, only one of them they've recovered. So you would expect some regression in the mean. The ball only, only bounces the opponent uh, so many times. But Alabama on offense so far in their SEC games, 72% of their plays have been a run. They did play with a lead, but that's still a large split. Uh, I think that indicates what they want to do. Run heavy, play slowly. A&M is 64th in run defense grade at PFF. They haven't really faced good rushing teams, so I want to see if they can stop the run in a game like this. And Alabama has a great kicker. Uh, Reichert, I believe, pronounced uh, 11 for 11 and 6 for 6 from 40 yards or more. That's a real nice weapon to have in a close game. Under was my lean here, but the number has gotten pretty low. Um, I don't want to trust Turk in defense too much either. So I'm just going to lean the under, but stay away from it. And this Alabama offense has, they have left much to be desired. And, and while they've looked better the last couple of weeks, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, uh, they don't have near the talent that Texas A&M does on the defensive side of the ball. My number on this was Alabama by three. So I, I would slightly lean Bama, but look, all three of us are going to skip an official play here because we just want to see what happens, right? This is, uh, we hadn't we hadn't seen this in a while. I mean, a spread this low on an Alabama game, it's very interesting. Uh, before we get to the last three games, like the video for us. I, I see how many of you guys are watching. I see how many likes there are. Like the video. And, of course, subscribe to the channel. Uh, for those watching live, of course, drop your questions for Q&A in the chat. 
If you're not watching live, you can toss your picks and your thoughts into the comments. We're going to respond to as many as possible. Oh, uh, get your guesses in the chat for which one of us has the golden ticket today. All right. <laughs> uh, don't forget about the podcast, the BetUS Football Show, in your favorite podcast app. Uh, and remember to check out the BetUS NFL Show every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. All right. Game number seven. That's right. We move to the ACC. The Syracuse Orange, they suffered their first loss of the season last week at home to Clemson. And now they get to travel to Chapel Hill. They're going to take on Mac Brown in North Carolina at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. Uh, Drake May and the Tar Heels, they are eight-and-a-half-point favorites at home. we got a bet U.S. total of 59-and-a-half on this one. Uh, these two have only played twice since 2003. Most recently in 2020, North Carolina has gone one-and-one one straight up against the Orange, but they are 2-0 and oh against the spread against them. Uh, North Carolina, 3-6 and six against the spread in their last nine as a home favorite. Syracuse is 1-4 against the spread in the last five as a road dog. So, trend's not favorable to either team here. Kyle, I want to start with you here. North Carolina's offensive strengths just so happen to coincide with Syracuse's defensive strengths. Uh, Drake May is awesome, but Rocky Long's defense grades out at number four in coverage grade at PFF. They're number 11 in PPA per pass allowed. And on the other side, Syracuse may not have any wide receivers left to throw to, but they're number 28 in rushing success rate. Uh, to number 92 for North Carolina's defense. Now, while I expect North Carolina to win this one at home, you know, Kyle, tell me, does Syracuse have enough left in the tank to to maybe make this one interesting? First, I want to say props to Parker on his call on Clemson last week. He was totally right about Clemson. Uh, He got the bragging rights there uh, for this week. Clemson was just too talented for Syracuse, especially the defensive front, uh, too much for the Orange. Syracuse, 93rd strength of schedule, UNC 20th. Uh, how much are we going to trust the UNC defense? Uh, to me, that's the biggest question of this game is uh, Syracuse has a pretty good offensive scheme, but no Gadsden certainly hurts their upside, their big playability. Schrader is pretty good, but he's also inconsistent. Um, I'm still cautious to completely trust Chiswick and the UNC defense. But they're clearly better than last year. They've much improved from a year ago. Uh, I think the UNC run defense is still beatable, but t- Syracuse doesn't really have that typical running back. Uh, you know, they don't have a Tucker or somebody like that who can just carry it consistently. Schrader's a good runner if you're not expecting it to come. I don't think, you know, he's just going to run it constantly and be really good. UNC's offense, 6.36 yards per play. Tar Heels are 58% on third down so far this year. Really good. Uh, you know, Parker, I'd be curious what UNC looks like on early downs. You know, what kind of situation they're getting themselves into here. Uh, Syracuse has to stop the run game of UNC if they want to have a chance. UNC's run game has been better than people would expect. May is tremendous. Uh, they can't have them be so balanced and very good at both. The Q's defense, too, looks due for aggression in the red zone. Opponents have only scored at all on seven out of 13 trips into the red zone. Um, everybody's not going to turn it over when they get inside the 20. So um, I would lean to UNC if I had to play it, but this is one I don't feel too comfortable about. We'll move over to Parker. You know, Kyle mentioned Syracuse got outmuscled by Clemson, but there's still a lot of things to like about this Syracuse team, right? The, the issue this week is they m- might just get out-talented again. I mean, North Carolina has looked significantly better this season, especially on defense. And, you know, while I didn't like the hire of Chip Lindsey as uh, as offensive coordinator, Drake May looks like he could do just about anything, even even if the raw numbers don't show this as, you know, one of the top units in the country. Parker, what, what do you expect in this one? 
First, I want to say that uh, me being right over Kyle happens so infrequently that I'm going to talk about this for years. Kyle is never <laughs> going to hear the end of the one time that we disagreed and I happened to happen to go in my favor. But um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of cracks in Syracuse's foundation where I, I am. I'm fading Syracuse. That's that's kind of what's happening here. I think this brutal stretch of um, Clemson, North Carolina, Florida State, like does someone in the ACC scheduling office hate Syracuse? Uh, because that's what I would do to a team that I hated is, is give them this three-run stretch, let them win four games in a row and feel good about themselves, and then immediately when ACC play comes, say, nope, we're just going to punch you exactly in the mouth with this here. Um, uh, a couple things from Syracuse. I said I like Garrett Schrader's decision-making uh, with a couple weeks ago, uh, and and I really think that that's gone downhill uh, pretty, pretty quickly there. In the Clemson game, he was uh, 50 51.7% completion and uh, 11.8 average depth of target. He was 10.3, 10.1, 9.8 in the three games before that. So what they really did is they didn't feel like they wanted Schrader to pass a ton against his Clemson defense. And they substituted to runs away from that. So his depth of target goes up because they're getting fewer of those kind of easy throws and those intermediate throws there, uh, which kind of limits him because that also, you know, it really puts you in a position where he can't, one, get any momentum for, for getting those completions and move the ball down the field, but it also puts a little bit more pressure on him because those passes are going to be in worse situations. That might induce him to either throw up something more reckless or scramble unnecessarily. Either way, you're kind of hampering your offense. The Syracuse offense is a lot better when it's kind of uncertain as to what Schrader's going to do, and he can make a choice based on feel as opposed to having situation dictate what's going to happen there. I'm going to eat some words. North Carolina's defense is fine. Oh, it felt gross to say. I hate that I had to say it out loud. I am still not a believer, but it's fine by the numbers. 32nd in EPA per play. They're 11th in EPA per pass. And I think that I have the number right here for how they've been passed against. Let me make sure that I've got that number correct because I've looked at like four of these. Yeah, minus 0 0.02. So two percentage points less uh, in rush rate over expected against North Carolina. So not a huge trend either way there. One thing that I like about North Carolina here is, you know, obviously the passing ceiling is super, super high. And they've struggled on early downs, like Kyle mentioned. They're 60. First, that's an advantage to Syracuse, who is 10th in early downs EPA on defense, but they're fifth in third and fourth down success. So the combination of being bad on first and second downs and bailed out on third downs, um, it really, really just means like you've got you've got Drake May and you're able to rush a little bit. And that combination is really, really nice there. So well, Syracuse is going to get some opportunities. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Schrader here. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with the Tar Heels to cover as a home favorite here, banking on kind of Syracuse cracks the foundation getting a little big, coupled with a really poor spot here, Sam between Clemson and Florida State. So give me the Tar Heels and maybe the pain of my under seven and a half from preseason will be a little bit less uh, if this works out for me. <laughs> I like this. It's, it's a hedge opportunity. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll lock it up. Parker likes North Carolina to cover eight and a half at home against the Syracuse Orange. And that is going to move us along to uh, some really interesting, fun games, right? Ball State and Eastern Michigan. We're, we're headed to the MAC. All right, so Ball State heads over to Ypsilanti. Uh, they're going to take on Eastern Michigan at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. Chris Creighton and the Eagles, two-and-a-half-point home favorites with a low total of 43-and-a-half over at BetUS. And the weather looks like it's going to be pretty stereotypical for that part of the world. 50% chance of rain, 52 degrees, like 13-mile-an-hour winds with gusts up to 29 miles per hour. Ball State is 0-2-1 against the spread as a road dog so far this season. Uh, that's after they covered four straight on the road to close out 2022. Eastern Michigan, 
They've only covered once at home against Ball State since 2009, but they are 5-2 and two against the spread against the Cardinals in the last seven meetings. Uh, Eastern Michigan is 2-8 and eight against the spread as a home favorite since 2021. Kyle, we'll start over with, uh, with you here. It's not November, but you know that I cannot avoid having some action on Maxion this deep into the season. Uh, this may be the most sick of Mac games this season. My, my five factors rankings heavily side with Eastern Michigan here. Ball State is number 131 in my five factors plus talent ranking. Uh, the Eagles are number 80. It's expected to be windy, which is, I think, going to help Eastern Michigan because Creighton's team cannot throw the ball anyway, uh, and they're good at defending the pass, which is Ball State's strength on offense. Kyle, tell me what you see in uh, in this one. I think this might be the sickest sicko special we've had so far this year, Gary. <laughs> so uh, props to you for getting this one on here. I like it. I'm not even going to pretend to have a strong feel for the side in this game, though. Uh, Eastern Michigan is not athletically very good uh, talent-wise on offense, and Austin Smith is a really bad passer, uh, easy for me to say. (laughs) 54.0 PFF passer grade. He has two big-time throws so far this year, guys, and eight turnover-worthy plays. That's among the worst you'll ever see. uh, That three for 17 on 20-yard passes or more. So no downfield passing attack. 42.6 42.6 PFA grade when blitzed. You've got a Eastern Michigan offense that is 132nd in explosiveness. So no explosiveness there. But like Gary said, Ball State wants to throw it more. They're probably not going to be able to throw it in this weather. Creighton is a good coach. The other thing that, though I'm kind of neutral on the side, the thing that would make me tip a little bit toward the way Gary's going to go, Eastern Michigan's 16th in special teams grade at PFF. Ball State is 129. They've had some horrible mishaps on special teams so far this year. Brayton's team find ways to cover spreads where it's like these guys are not very good, and yet they cover the spread. This kind of feels like it could be one of those games. I would also lean the under, but it's gone down quite a bit because of that weather. We'll move over to Parker here. Ball State got walloped by a real, uh, excuse me, a rebuilding Western Michigan team last week. Uh, that's not something that's supposed to happen in year eight for Coach Mike New, right? The numbers aren't great for either team here, but, you know, this is Eastern's first game at home in three weeks. Ball State playing their second straight on the road before they head home to face Toledo next week. You know, Eastern Michigan not great on offense. At least they got something going on on defense. Uh, Parker, I'm curious what your numbers say here. Am, Am I crazy for rolling Eastern Michigan? I don't think so. I, again, I, I repeat myself uh, too much on this show, but like when I look at a game like this, I try to see, does anyone do anything well? Uh, and could that give me an edge here? So I have this as defense, as offense, 131 Eastern Michigan and 132 Ball State. Only Sam Houston State is worse than them. And honest to God, if they have one more 10-yard run, they'll probably jump both of these teams <laughs> here. Um, but I, 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 yeah, Eastern Michigan's 86th on defense, which for the MAC is good. It's objectively good. And they've at least shown some signs of life. They, you know, Minnesota only 25 points, Jacksonville State only 21, CMU 26, held UMass to 17. Like those are all real numbers. And I, and I think that Eastern Michigan's defense is kind of the tipping point here. There's two things that have really, really gone their favor and uh, they're kind of related. One, they're 23rd in starting field position allowed on defense. Um, Ball State is 111th in starting field position on offense. And Eastern Michigan is 25th in points per echo allowed. Um, that right there tells me that one, they're giving their opponents long fields. So that's going to increase the probability that somebody like Ball State is going to screw up and give you a turnover, or they're going to go three and out and give you the ball back, right? So that's that's obviously good. Then the points per echo is telling me um, that 
they're they're really not letting you get that big play touchdown either. Obviously, those are related. It's hard to get a big play touchdown when you're the 25 than you know the 40, right? Uh, obviously, we know that. But I think that the the special teams that are really really boosting this defense um, uh, and, and giving them, you know, I, I think the game here for Eastern Michigan is make as few mistakes on po- as possible on offense, and then give Ball State a long field and say, buddy. I, I just dare you to not screw this up. And I think that's going to be the recipe there. So if I had to lean, I would lean Eastern Michigan here. Uh, but man, there's a lot of red on this graph for me. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is my kind of ball game, right? A whole lot of red here. Uh, look, Ball State's number 130 in points per play margin. Eastern Michigan is number 84. If I can take the home team at less than a field goal, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take that all day. So uh, give me Eastern Michigan minus two and a half. Uh, and I will lock that thing up here. Uh, I, I feel good about it. I think the coaching matchup, uh, goes with me. I like Chris Creighton. I like Chris Creighton a lot. All right, last game on the board. Uh, let's let's try and get these likes up to 200 before we get to the Q&A segment. Uh, so go ahead and hit that like button for us, if you would, so kindly. Game number nine, the last game on the board here. G.J. Kinney, uh, excuse me, keeps the Bobcat train rolling. Uh, Texas State is going to head to Louisiana to take on the Raging Cajuns. This one's 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPNU. And Louisiana is a one-point home favorite uh, with a total, whew, they are expecting a lot of points here, 69 uh, over at BetUS. That is the total. Texas State is now 4-1 and one against the spread this season, while Louisiana is 1-4 and four against the number. Uh, both teams are a combined 7-3 and three to the over this season. The Bobcats 3-2, and two, Louisiana 4-1. and one. Parker, uh, this game is just more proof that the Sun Belt is... I mean, they are just an absolute blast this year. <laughs> Louisiana's offense uh, is best at running the ball. They're number eight in PPA per rush, uh, number 18 in rushing success rate, number 19 in rushing explosiveness. And unfortunately for Texas State, their defensive strength happens to be against the pass. Uh, the Bobcats are number 92 in PPA per rush, number 125 in rushing explosiveness allowed. Now, on the other side of the ball, of course, Kenny's offense better at throwing the ball, but they should have an advantage on the ground here. Parker, what do your numbers say on this one? This is like legitimately a good game. I think that Louisiana is underrated Uh, and we've got two teams here kind of in the mid fifties, mid sixties of efficiency metrics. And this should be really, really fun. And they're both bad at defense. So like you're going to go on a scoring here. Um, One thing that I looked at was really interesting to me. Louisiana does have a pretty big split on rushing and passing 95th in EPA per pass defense, 125th in EPA per rush. Teams are rushing 6.5 percentage points more than average against Louisiana. So that's something I would circle there to say, oh, you know, Texas State's been pretty passive. heavy, 51st in rush rate over expected. Um, that volume change really, really could do a lot here to, to kind of mess with the gravity of, of Louisiana's offense. Um, that being said, Louisiana has been fine at passing. Chris has been, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty decent leading them with, with 595 yards. Um, but they're 49th in rush rate over expected, 53rd in EPA per pass. Texas State has been very, very bad against the pass. They're 94th overall. They've been mostly better at the run. And if I look at their um, their splits, teams are rushing 2.6 percentage points more. So, you know, if teams are rushing more against you, you might expect your pass defense to be a little bit better because of the selection issues. But, um, yeah, that's not the case here. They, they really are getting cooked. So um, both teams really good at finishing drives. Texas State is second in points per quality possession, 46th. Uh, Louisiana is 46th in points per quality possession on the other side. So if you like points and you like good offenses and you like kind of the chess match of, hey, the, you know, I've got a bad defense and I can kind of get them on skates and and kind of exploit them and go back and forth, this game is going to be a whole lot of fun. I've slightly got Texas State as an outright favorite in this game. 
I, yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's, it's one point is the spread. So obviously, yeah. uh, and my numbers have the exact same thing. Uh, Texas State by about half a point. Kyle, yeah. Louisiana is number six in explosive play rate. Uh, Texas State is number 22 in offensive explosiveness. Both teams are averaging over 4.2 points per scoring opportunity. They both seem to have a part of their offense that can take advantage of the other's defense. And, and while Louisiana is better at you know penalties per game, they're number 74 to number 112, uh, Texas State has got an advantage in turnover margin, number 68 to number 125. Uh, and that's you know highlighted by the fact that you know Texas State, or excuse me, Louisiana is number 126 in giveaways per game. And Texas State is number 26 in takeaways per game. Uh, tell me, what's your breakdown on this one, Kyle? Bill Smith says in chat, 51-50 game. So I hope he speaks this into existence Ooh. here. I, I like the over. Um, I'm going back to the Texas State Bobcat overs. Texas State's kind of been a wagon this year, guys. They've been consistently much better than expectations. Uh, Kenny's offense is really explosive. They pass it very well. TJ Finley, 72.8% completion so far this year, an 8 out of 10.2. He has 12 big-time throws already this year and a 94.3 PFF grade on passes of 20 yards or more. Excellent downfield passer. I think they'll break some big plays against Louisiana defense that, although they've looked pretty good against explosive plays, I think this is a more explosive offense than they're used to facing. Uh, And quietly, the Texas State running game has gotten a lot better. Look at Ismail Mahdi, uh, game changer at running back, 9.8 yards per carry. He's been breaking some big ones. Very fast guy. I think he'll break some big ones here against Louisiana. The Louisiana defense was good a few years ago with Napier. Uh, they are way down defensively. 79th in success rate allowed. And if you look at their schedule, Northwestern State, ODU, UAB, Buffalo, Minnesota, Texas State's the best offense they played, in my opinion. So at least the most expensive, uh, explosive offense. I, I think they're going to score. Um, Louisiana on offense has been good. They're fifth in yards per carry. They've scored 38, 35, 41, and 45 in four of their games. They had 24 last week against Minnesota, but even then they had 6.7 yards per play. We know Minnesota kind of mucks up the game, plays slowly. Pace won't be an issue here. Texas State's going to play really fast. Um, this one has gone up a couple points, so I hate that this one's moved a couple. And to be honest, I kind of like Texas State team total over whenever that comes out, because I like the Texas State side some in this one as well. But I'm going to go with the game over. I think it's going to be fireworks back and forth. I'll take over 69. I like it. I like it. Let's lock that bad boy up. Kyle is going with the over 69 on this one. Okay. For the last time today, if you've not already, like the video, subscribe to the channel, of course. Uh, and, and as you all know, one of us is holding a golden ticket for an entry to the Tough Truck Contest. So, as you see on the screen, let's go ahead and reveal who has got it this go-round. Ah, is it Parker again? It's me! All these people in the chat got it right? That does not happen. Does not happen. But I will gladly accept this award on behalf of me, I guess. <laughs> Production is going to randomly select one name from the chat uh, that guessed it correctly, and we'll announce the winner after the Best Bet segment. Uh, But first, before we get into today's Best Bets, of course, our favorite part of every live show, it is time for Q&A. We should have some kind of like theme music going on with Q&A. You know, I I, (laughs) I say, hey, it's time for Q&A. Alan McComas is going to start us off. How big do you think the location of the bye week uh, makes a difference for teams? Uh, do you see a point where it can be both positive and negative? 
Um, I mean, if you're if you're Hawaii, I guess. I think a lot of people would like to just be able to go home for a week. Uh, but if you're Hawaii and you've got to play two road games before and after, I I don't think the location matters. Parker, does location matter when it comes to bye week? Uh, I haven't. That's an empirical question, and I like that is on my dream world of like, hey, let's study that and potentially could do that. Um, I think weather is first for me. Um, I think uh, in case in extreme cases, maybe. But like the problem with that is, you know, Hawaii or like some Mountain West team traveling to an SEC school is going to be like the the team's going to be so bad that really you don't have a sample of like, we don't get Georgia traveling to Utah state, right? Like we don't get that kind yeah. of, that kind of deal. So uh empirical question. Haven't, haven't really solved it. I, I suppose potentially with the big 10 and, you know, uh, Stanford and Cal, you know, joining the ACC, like potentially, I guess, but even still, I mean, you're talking about like a five hour flight at most. And yeah. it's not, and like it's those not kids are flying. They're flying. They're not flying economy. Like they're, yeah, yeah. they're doing all right. Ain't no thing. Uh, Kyle, I want to get your thoughts here because, well, we've already texted on this one. Uh, Heath Harrelson asked me for any leans on Boise State and San Jose State, and I'm right on the number. Like, I I think that Boise could maybe be better with Madsen, the uh, the freshman quarterback. Uh, Jonti is just an absolute stud at, at running back for them. But San Jose State is is feisty, right? We've talked about this. Kyle, I'm curious, do you have a lean on Boise State and, uh, and San Jose State? Yeah, I have two leans in that game. My first is San Jose State plus the points. There was a 10 for a while. I do like uh, San Jose State plus 10. Nine and a half, it's a lean. Um, I kind of like the over, too. I think Boise State's defense is still bad. I mean, Memphis moved up and down the field, and then it was the late. Uh, you know, let's see what Madsen does in a neutral game state a little bit more. But uh, I think Boise State's offense is pretty decent, but their defense is worse than anybody thought it would be. 59 might not be quite quite high enough for that total. I, yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting one. That, that Boise State offense, it, so the defense is not as good uh, as they have been, and the offense seems like they can get up and down the field when they need to. Uh, Todd Clinton jumps in. Gentlemen, what should we expect with Bowling Green this weekend? Do they come back down to earth, or do they continue to ride high against Miami of Ohio? Uh, I will tell you that I love Miami of Ohio this week. <laughs> it's an emotional letdown spot uh, for Bowling Green. I, there were some plays where, it, well, more than some plays, that that certainly let Bowling Green get away with what they did against Georgia Tech last week. Uh, Georgia Tech, I mean, Parker puts out on Twitter every week, uh, did we get beat that bad? And Georgia Tech had a significantly higher success rate than Bowling Green did last week. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to do that against Miami of Ohio. Uh, Parker, you tell me Miami of Ohio, Bowling Green. I I don't see Bowling Green staying in this one. Does Miami of Ohio have a better defense than Georgia Tech? Yes, yes. Chuck Martin's defenses uh, are always good. Yeah, they kind of a hate ass defense. Twenty third in EPA per play, and uh, one thing I like that would lean towards this. I I, I think like they've. They've been pretty good on early downs EPA, but pretty bad on late downs EPA. Miami has, and uh, I think they'll be able to move the ball and stay in positive situations and just absolutely ruin uh, Bowling Green's day. So, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know that I would put any money on Bowling Green. Uh, Kyle, what about you? Any, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, and I, I would lean Miami. I think this is a pretty good spot for them. Gabbert's a good quarterback. They have kind of a quietly explosive offense in the passing game. So, I think this is a tricky spot there for Bowling Green. I would definitely lean Miami. 
Uh, Robert S. jumps in. What do you guys think about Marshall versus NC State? Uh, could be a sneaky good game. I know NC State has moved on to MJ Morris. Uh, Brennan Armstrong uh, is now on the bench. So they bring in the backup. They bring in the young guy. And he was good in certain spots last year. Like he he was third string at the beginning of last season, but he worked his way up. And, uh, at, of course, after injuries and whatever else, he was a freshman last season. Eh, I'm staying away from it. I think everybody on this show knows that I appreciate Marshall. I had them to uh, to win the Sun Belt East this year. Um, this is a tough one because NC State just lost at home last week. They had more time to prep this week than Marshall did. Uh, they had an extra day, whatever. I'd, I'm staying away from it, but Kyle, uh, you got a feel on, on Marshall NC State? I think this is one of those games that has enough factors that are big question marks that I'd just rather pass. Uh, Marshall comes off a game where they gave up a ton of rushing yards to ODU. I don't know what happened to Marshall's defense last week. They were fortunate to win that game. And then NC State with the quarterback change. Uh, NC State's going to need to find somebody to block on the offensive line, too, because it's not just the quarterback. So, uh, we'll see. I think this is uh, one I'd rather wait and see and try to learn something about the two teams. Barker, you got a feel on uh, on this one? Yeah, um, I have this one circled to play Marshall, but then changing the quarterback scared me off of it. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, that line, this, it was seven and a half, I think it's down comments. to six. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's down, it's, down to, <laughs> it's down to six and a half now. Okay, so a little bit of buyback on NC State. Um, yes, Mark Holmes jumps in. He said, talk LSU and Missouri, please, for Julius, who, who we still have not seen in the chat, from what I understand. Wait, legitimately, but, somebody was saying they like heard from him or something. Tell, tell him tell him he missing. Yes. I'm glad he's okay. Yes. Get him back in here. Uh, but yes, he said, let's talk uh, LSU and Missouri. Uh, do we have to? I mean... <laughs> Are we getting that one tomorrow? When is that game? Uh, that's a noon game. No, that's not one of our... Oh, because yeah, none okay. of us has a play on it. Like, I, who Who would play this game? I mean, it's. I mean, LSU's defense stinks, and Brady Cook has been like kind of fun. So if that's really the way you want to go here, but like, I don't like giving Eli Drinkwitz my money, honestly. Um, <laughs> and so that that makes me very very nervous here because LSU's offense has been so good. I don't trust uh, um, when you separate, you know, rushing and passing. Like Missouri's defense is 72nd in EPA per pass. They're 17th in EPA per rush selection. Right, Team, teams are passing against them a lot more. Guess what LSU can do on offense that basically no one that Missouri has played can do. They can have a credible rushing threat when they run a pass play as well with Dan- with Daniels and his legs. Um, Missouri not you know not particularly disruptive with pressure. That's the way to beat Daniels. He's not good at, under pressure. Just I mean frankly like not good under pressure. And so I, I really think that Missouri as I, I have them as a as a two point as a two point dog here. Um, if I was going to bet on them, I'd have to believe a whole lot about their defensive line versus the LSU's offensive line that I just don't know that I can believe. Kyle, what about you? You you got a feel on on this one? I want to bet the side. I would want to bet over, but 64 and a half is really high total. Missouri doesn't play that fast. Um, I mean, like Parker said, Missouri's gotten some really good quarterback play so far this year. I don't see any evidence that LSU is going to stop them consistently. And uh, LSU is talented on offense. So the only way I could bet it would be over. Yeah, that's uh, I feel the same way there. I I would want to bet Missouri, but man, this feels like a spot where LSU coming off of another loss, LSU can go one of two ways. Either they get back right and they figure out something uh, on defense, or like Missouri, everything kind of falls apart where 
I mean, things have really been going well. Um, but LSU could absolutely quit at some point, right? This was a team projected to potentially uh, play for the national championship, and you got two losses in September, and you get to go on the road and play a noon game at Missouri. I mean, this is a scary one. I, I'm staying away from uh, from this one. Uh, Heath Harrelson, question for Parker. What percentage do you think the backup quarterback <laughs> – wait. What percentage do you think that backup quarterback plays better than starting quarterback? Uh – Parker, Wait, is this about a specific game? DM me on Twitter or something. Put it in the yes. comments. Let's talk about it because I'm not sure what you're asking. <laughs> uh, Alan McComas wants to know, are y'all going to go over Kansas State and Oklahoma State? Uh, he wants to hear Parker and Kyle's opinions on it. Kyle, let's uh, let's start with you because my numbers have Kansas State by way more than the spread, but it's in Stillwater. It's a weeknight game. I'm I'm terrified of it. So, uh, I don't think Oklahoma State's very good. Kyle, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to read you what Simon's ATS numbers and what Dundee's ATS numbers are, because this is strength on strength. If you go back to the past, Clement's 47 and 22 against the spread, uh, consistently making money uh, for people here. And Oklahoma State, Gundy, 130 and 98, 57%. So I think both of these coaches usually maximize talent very well. Uh, what what are we going to get from these two teams? I trust Kansas State more, but that's a pretty big number. Um, I lean Kansas State, but I don't, I don't really want to bet it. This thing was uh, was nine, I think, when it opened, and it's up to twelve now. I mean, it's just a lot of action coming in. Parker, uh, is there any reason to believe in Oklahoma State at home on a on a Friday night here? I had this closer to like eleven, twelve and a half, or twelve and a half. Uh, excuse me. 11 and a half or 12. And, uh, and so this number is just right on that number. And like, uh, my, so I, I try to do like uncertainty, uncertainty measures as well. And I, I, I just have a lot of uncertainty about Oklahoma state, um, because of my preseason projections on them. So I don't think they're particularly good at anything. I think it's completely reasonable to fade them. I just don't like betting against Gundy, Gundy at home, uh, as a double digit dog there. Can I just point out for a second too, this is kind of tangentially related. There's a little graph button on the bet us sports book that takes you to like trends and money lines of all this. I don't know that I knew. I don't know if you guys knew about this, but if you click the little, the little graph button, it's like against the spread money line. It's like scoring and stats and everything. Never knew it existed. Everyone in the comments, you can go to that US, there's a little graph button next to the next to the listing. And it's like good info that I had no idea existed. Injuries. That's super cool. Oh, okay. Okay. I see this. Okay. That's, I was distracted <laughs> there because I just clicked it. I thought it would be like, how did the line move or something? And it's like legitimately good info about the game. So sick. Cool. We're on, we're on the Bet US show, and I had no idea that that was even. I didn't, didn't know it exist. <laughs> Maybe that's where I'll get my info from now on. Uh, let's see. We, uh, we can't get to every question live. Okay. If we didn't get to yours, make sure and put it in the comments. Uh, we're going to make sure and jump in there and respond to as many as possible. Or you can always join us tomorrow, you know, and toss it in the chat again. We'll, uh, we'll do that. Uh, Let's go on and uh, wait a minute. Are we doing the golden ticket right now? Did I? No, it's our best bets. Man, we got to do best bets. <laughs> uh, a recap of our best bets, if you will. Parker, go ahead and tell the beautiful people who you're trusting today. Um, I I can't read the little thing, and I forgot who my first one was. Jacksonville State minus three and a half. Western <laughs> Kentucky five and a half. North Carolina eight and a half. I think that I just failed the driver's test there. I think I read one of those numbers wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have my window. Where's my window? Three and a half, oh, five and a half, eight and a half. I'm good. I'm good. Yes. Okay. Jack State, Western Kentucky, and North Carolina. Okay. <laughs> my 
My picks for today, I'm taking Jacksonville State plus three and a half at Middle Tennessee, uh, Oklahoma plus six and a half in Red River, Maryland plus 19 and a half uh, at Ohio State, and then Eastern Michigan to cover two and a half over Ball State in Ypsilanti. Uh, Kyle, who are you rolling with while we still have this thing on the tracks here? <laughs> we always have a lot of fun here. Jacksonville State and Middle Tennessee under 51 and a half. Western Michigan and Mississippi State over 56, and also Texas State and Louisiana over 69. I like the overs club there. All right, now the best bets are out of the way. Remember, claim your 30 risk-free bets for 30 years of BetUS and your 125% sign-up bonus. Uh, Don't forget, BetUS is giving away a tough truck. And speaking of that, let's go ahead and see exactly who the winner of today's free entry is. Look at that. Look at that. It's ERBO. That's what I'm talking about. You are today's winner, my friend. Please contact us on Twitter at BetUSTV to claim your entries. Uh, and if you didn't get an entry today, you can still win the truck. It's not the end of the world. We're giving away one entry on every college football show. Uh, for more details, of course, head over to BetUSTV.com slash tough truck. Whew, what a long one. That is going to do it for today's show. We will be back at it again tomorrow, same time, to make sure and preview the afternoon and the evening slate. So, uh, you know, set your reminders. You can join us live. Get a chance at winning that tough truck again. Thank you to everybody for tuning in each week. Of course, make sure to leave comments. Uh, we want to know your picks. We want to know what you think of the show, etc. And uh, keep an eye on the latest odds over at BetUSTV.com slash odds. Make sure and join the action. BetUSTV.com slash join. You can follow the guys on Twitter. Parker's at Stats War. Kyle is at Kyle Hunter Picks. You can follow me at Winning Cures or on Instagram and TikTok at GaryWCE. With that said, for BetUS. Where the game begins, of course, God bless college football. 